Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 296. Oh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Just when you think things couldn't get worse, Mexico disappointed us twice. Losing the Gold Cup and eliminated from the Olympics. That'll be the bulk of our show tonight. We'll also talk about some experiences from Vegas. Some of the fans I talked to. And then, of course... The second match week of Liga MX. Take a deep breath, sit down, and enjoy tonight's rant. Before I go any further, though, let me welcome Joel. Joel, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Jaime. I'm going to say I'm not disappointed. You know... I we... know you're disappointed, but... <laughs> It's a, it's a humble reminder of not to put all your eggs in one basket, you know. Don't live and die with sports or the Mexican national team. Uh, cuz you're just going to set yourself up for a lot of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I get it. We all want we all want the team to win, you know, get the best possible result. But for me, the end game has always been World Cup. Mm. It's always been trying to get fair enough. Not just quinto partido, but the best possible. And you know, a, a lot of times, I say a lot of times, uh, these these results they don't they don't matter as much as we we like to believe, or mm. even the media makes makes it seem like it's. Everything is like falling apart, you know. The sky is falling. This chicken little type of mentality. <laughs> if at all, let's start over. And it's, uh, I, um, I'll let you continue before I hit my my hot takes. Absolutely. Just to recap. Well, but I just quickly, you said. Max eliminated from Olympics, but aren't well, they kind of third bronze? They still have a shot at the bronze, right? Yes, they lost to Brazil uh, in the semifinal. The game had a lot of grit, mainly Brazil being the protagonist and Mexico sort of just making mistakes, not being able to hold possession, dragged the game into overtime. And uh, dragged it all into penalties, in which Mexico missed uh, too many penalties. They missed their first two. Charlie Rodriguez tried to uh, redeem himself, but it was a little bit too late. Brazil beat us on penalties, and they will be playing Spain in the final. Uh, Japan also got knocked out, the Anfritión. So we will be playing Japan again. Uh, but this time for some silverware for the bronze. And uh, at this point... And Japan's the only team, right? They're the only team to have been in Max in uh, regulation time. Yep, that's correct. Uh, the game against Brazil will officially uh, go on record as a draw. So 
yeah, Japan were the only team that got the best out of Mexico in 90 minutes, and uh, it's going to be a tough one. Even for bronze, it's going to be a tough one. I know Japan's under a lot of pressure because they are the, the host uh, to come up with as much silverware as possible. So uh, we'll see how that final goes or that runner-up, yeah. whatever. Yeah, no, I'm done with my Olympic <laughs> predictions. They, they were pretty bad. Um. But yeah, so kind of just to talk a little bit about the Gold Cup. So uh, I actually went out there, drove out there to Vegas. From here, it was about eight hours. I was was enjoying the drive, going really fast. And I get to Vegas, go to the Strip, and you just see a bunch of Mexicans, a bunch of USA fans. Uh, You see a lot of people wearing the half USA, half Mexico jersey, and I just wanted to blow my brains out. (laughs) Um, and this happened, you know, I got there on Saturday. So, uh, day of game. Yeah. It's just popping everywhere. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone's drinking. And, uh, yeah, you just see a bunch of, a bunch of fans. You see people selling the fake shirts on the corners and, uh, you know, Vegas got taken over, man. That was the first time, uh, the Alliance stadium, the, the Raider stadium had actually, uh, fans in there. They've done a few soft openings for like djs and stuff but they've never had a full open capacity uh event like this so um it was it was sold out uh i actually have the official numbers uh let me see here somewhere around sixty thousand, and um i believe it was the most sold out venue in vegas for for football oh yeah, pretty crazy. Ever yeah. or for the year or what? Um, let me see, cause they sent this all to me on an email after the game. Uh, it was the largest soccer attendance in the history of Nevada, first sellout for a sporting event at Allegiant Stadium, and the first soccer match played at Allegiant Stadium. So, uh, sixty-one thousand oh. five hundred and fourteen was the official attendance of the match. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, uh, you know, th- I will say that uh, everybody was a little bit unprepared. There was a lot of new people, a lot of new security and all. You know, they just didn't know how to handle the crowds. Uh, there was actually a guy behind me during the match, uh, and he was yelling out culero and all this stuff. And it got to the point where one of the one of the security people that understood what he was saying uh, snitched him out. And uh, the police got there. <laughs> the police got there and like took him out of his seat. He was in the front row. He was right behind me, and uh, you know he started like really like he could tell he was shook. He was crying. They took him to the. They have a jail cell in the Raider Stadium. <laughs> he went to jail. He went to jail. And he was crying. He he, he was man because like you know you're drunk. You say stupid shit. He wasn't saying it towards like any of the security people. He was yelling it at Carlos Salcedo. Carlos Man, Salcedo that's... came in for Hector Moreno, and because uh, Hector Moreno got injured, and every time he touched the ball, the entire stadium started booing him because they were upset about him missing the penalty. And then he later on in the game gets subbed, so the sub got subbed uh, at the very end. So I mean, um, as far as the match goes, like look. We fell right into USA's traps. 
Um, they do a really good job of of pressing. They do a really good job of not letting Mexico play their match, and they dragged they dragged us into the mud, and uh, dragged this game on to overtime. Got got us tired, exposed us on a on a set piece. Uh, that's one of my big, biggest criticisms with Alfredo Talavera. He doesn't know how to how to challenge those air balls. It's always been one of his weaknesses, one of his kryptonites. And uh, he got exposed. That should have been a play that he, he should have challenged for. He should have went up in the air. He waited. He hesitated. USA score. USA win. And uh, that's uh, in 60 days. The Nations League final, the Gold Cup final, both lost by Mexico. Um, and... And let's be honest here. The the team that that uh, USA brought was not their best team. Uh, all but like two players play in the MLS. Um, not saying that Mexico's brought a better squad, but they do had they did have players that were playing in Europe with Eric Gutierrez, Tecatito, Hector Herrera. So you know, I just think it's an excusable performance. The whole tournament or the final? Um, <clears throat> it was a, you know, it's CONCACAF, right? So Mexico didn't really get, you know, they, they play up or they play down to their opponent. I've, you know, seen it in within what? Yeah. Two days. We've seen Mexico play down to the opponent of USA. Also play up to the opponent of Brazil. It's just, that's just what we do. It's very frustrating because you know that they're more than capable of, of doing better, but. Uh, it's just they they rise to the occasion. Yeah, like you said, opponents count a lot too. So the bigger teams are more likely to open to play more open, which allows Mexico to play more their game. And then uh, you know teams like US, though, you know they pressing the bunkering, and it's 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 been. It, I don't think people say problem for Mexico, but it's for a lot of teams overall. You know, it could be a, especially if you're if you're lacking. You know, Mexico has Funes Mori was um, lacking a good striker or a, someone on fire, and and I think that was the hope for Martino for Mori. And we had three goals. He had a pretty decent. Right, three goals plus the one he scored on the amistoso. Oh yeah, four. So he he came in uh, shooting on all cylinders, and I don't think he deserves any any criticism as far as, um, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't his fault that Mexico lost the final. He did have like maybe one or two chances that he could have put away, but I do think that Orbelín Pineda had a much clearer chance, and uh, I think he deserves a little bit more criticism. Uh, but the whole team in general, you know, they they just couldn't get the job done twice. And that's very painful. Uh, it, it's it's painful because it's not like the U.S. were actually playing good football. That's the part that pisses me off. It's like okay, I would I would I would be respectful and have the good you know sportsmanship and be like, okay, you guys were a worthy opponent. I shake your hand. Like you were clearly the superior team, but no, that wasn't the case. This team plays for nothing. They play just bunker ball, and there's no, there's just, there's nothing gorgeous about it. It gets the job done. It's effective. They only conceded one goal in the entire tournament. That's very impressive. But it's just yeah. dirty, 
boring, disgusting football. <laughs> I just hate it. It's so like there's no style, there's no sauce, there's no sizzle. It you know what? It perfectly represents the United States. All right, that's just the culture think, in general. I think yeah, that's that's been a big criticism. Uh and then for a long time it it got them you know, it got them results and it, it put them at the at the world stage where they were they went to uh how many World Cups in a row since ninety up until when was it when they got eliminated? It was it oh was it the last one or what's that? Yeah, Russia, right? When they got eliminated? Who? The US from the from during the hexagonal. Yeah, they didn't qualify. So it was what twenty eighteen? That's right. So yeah, from nineteen ninety to twenty fourteen. Yeah, so they they did a good a good amount of uh, I was trying to count <laughs> a good amount of, of World Cups because I mean you know keep in mind U.S. went from 1950, you know that was the last time when they when they participated in the Brazil uh, World Cup, and then they didn't play until 1990, so they went 40 years um, without and an appearance. After that, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Damn. Forty years from from Brazil. Was it because they, they didn't they, have a league, or they just didn't qualify, or they always had leagues, um, you know? But the region was also more competitive, you know. Uh, so, but but a lot of their leagues were weren't like top notch, or or the best possible that they could have. Up until they, you know, even when they had uh, NASL, the North American Soccer League, and they had players like Pelé and George Best, uh-huh. Beck, Franz Beckenbauer, they call these big names. Um, they also had um, Johan Cruyff, all these dudes that came and played to this league. Mm-hmm. And even then, their team sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was all extranjeros, you know. The teams yeah. were mainly. And two or three, two or three uh, nationals, and they're all foreigners. Um, so the, but, but it wasn't until like 1990 that they qualified, and then from then they, they became, you know, regulars, and that was one of the ways they went about it. You know, that was like their, their to go thing, to like, to make to stay consistent. And that was also the thing with Klinsman when they brought him in to try to make them a more of attacking team. But he, he wasn't able to to do much. And so that's with Bear Halter is the whole bit of a, you know, back to basics, you could say. And you kind of the irony is I know a lot of the, the U.S. fans wanted Tata Martino. You know, he had one with Atlanta. Hey, he man. that pedigree. They're playing 4D <laughs> chess with us right now. Uh, they yeah. let us have Tata, and he they knew that he was, like, going to give us, like, he, it's like, oh, like, how do we, like, make our enemy, like, 
how do we weaken them? We give them Tata and we let him just burn this team down. <laughs> it's worked out. You're, you're a bit harsh. Hey, he won the gold cup in 2019 with Mexico. Okay. He gets the benefit of the doubt there, but let's be honest, man. Right now, his job, he's on the hot seat, man. It's, it's losing the, the nation's league. Okay. You know, you can flip a coin and whatever. That was a pretty good, well, you know, the both teams brought their A game. But losing the Gold Cup? Yeah, but it, it happens. You know, it's it's fairly common with, with the Mex national team where they'll have one good Gold Cup and then they'll have the second one, they'll, like, struggle. And it could be... the it could be the first one of the World Cup cycle or like the second one, but it's it's you know I guess depending what the coach is doing. But uh, I think uh, we we've seen it a lot, you know. We I love Olpe. Remember he he wins his first Gold Cup, beat, mm-hmm. beats Brazil twice, you know. I think in group stage and then in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously had to be in the group stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, beats him twice, group stage and then the final. And then his second Gold Cup, he's he's bounced in the second round, and that team looked bad. It just looked horrible. Uh, let's look at let's look at La Puente. He he has that really good '98 World Cup. He wins Confederation '99. In 2000, he plays the Gold Cup, gets bounced out in the second round by Canada, Colombia. right? Or it was Colombia, oh. and then Canada went on to beat that Colombia team. And that Colombia team had already lost in group stage to Honduras. So it's not like they were like, you know, like on fire or anything. Um, but, but, and I remember because that was, that was when I first started like noticing just how fickle a lot of the fans can be. Or more like the media, like how the media would manipulate because. Well, um, like, do you mind? Do you well, mind? Just, just really, yeah, just really quick because. From 98, even 99, the whole chant in the stadium used to be La Puente para Presidente. That was, that was the chant for the coach. Oh, yeah? And, and then after the, <laughs> after the Gold Cup, it was Fuera La Puente. And it was oh, the, wow. whole, the whole... And, and I'm just going to finish it right here because I think it ties up to kind of what's going on. And the whole thinking was... The team is at this level where they have to be playing this, you know, like they set this bar where they expect the team to always be at that level, you know, especially all oh, you beat Brazil at a, at a thing. You're, you're playing toe-to-toe against Holland at the World Cup, and now you're at the Gold Cup sucking eggs, you know. So it's it's sort of like very linear way of thinking because you did this, you should be able to do this. And... And I and so at that time you had um, you had it was Ojitos Mesa and you know he was at I think I'm going pretty far back I'm not sure if it was Toluca was it Toluca after he had been at Toros Mesa or Toros but I mean his teams were playing fantastic just really spectacular soccer and they bring him in thinking like this guy's gonna have Mexico competing at another level and that was that was really harsh. His whole run after he took over the team, it, it was just yeah. it, it doesn't was, always translate. It was just it was, but it was horrible. Like if you look at the results, 
everything that was going on. Yeah. It, it ended with him crying at a press conference. Really? Yeah, he was, I think, Honduras, they lost. I don't know if it was at the start of the Hex, but I think, I'm pretty sure it was World Cup qualifying, and they lost the match, and he's just in tears, man. He's, he's that, that was that was it for him. Uh, and he got vilified, like, so hard. It, it took him a while to, to bounce back. I mean, we see it with Chepo, you know, how he... he I mean, this People role will make or break your career, that. man. It will destroy you. <laughs> in, in Mexico, I would say. But, I mean, he bounced back, you know. He, what, he what about Sven Goran Eriksson? What the hell is he up to nowadays? <laughs> yeah, but this, that's a different story just because he, he came here not knowing, you know. He's coaching the Philippines right now. See, that's the that should be our slogan. Hey, <laughs> come coach Mexico and maybe you'll end up coaching in a third world country he's not oh man I, I i think this dude had just other problems like he i think he just likes to party too much you know he's the guy that got geo in trouble he had him in the no not geo he got um he got um neri castillo yeah because that uh, city right right he had they were he was the yeah, coach of city they, 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 they took the pictures and he's in the limousine with, yeah. with with some with some with some lady friends and and lady was already married and with kids and his wife leaves him you know it's like it's like oh not having that well very, so I, very quickly I wanted to play this clip from my friend Hugo Sanchez. Coincides con lo que dice el técnico de la selección nacional Hugo? No, no coincido. Eh, le tiene que dar vergüenza y debería presentar su renuncia y decir, pues no, no estoy capacitado ah, caray, para dirigir sí. a, a la selección mexicana por lo que pasó con él y con Funes Mori y que no funcionó el traer a Funes Mori y debería de presentar la renuncia. Pero no hay que, hay que respetar los procesos y que tienen que ser largos. Se pierden una Copa Oro y si no me entonces piden que Mauricio, si no me respetaron a mí, si no me respetaron a mí, que yo soy mexicano y soy lo que soy en el fútbol mexicano. ¿Por qué sí a los extranjeros y a los mexicanos no? Por favor. Ya está bien, ¿no? Ya está fue, bien. Pero lo, pero lo tuyo no fue por un tema de selección mayor, Hugo. No, no, no. Por, porque me querían borrar del mapa. Pero bueno, eh, viva los extranjeros y no nos apoyamos en los mexicanos. Y ahí está la muestra una vez más. <risa> He was salty. He is. He's been... He's been... Part of it was his fault. You know, I wish and uh, the big sigh that you hear in the sound clip is Chelis. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's just taking a deep breath, Namaste, because it's like a it's on ESPN Deportes and it's like four of them. It's like a Facetime call, and you can see everybody's <laughs> reaction. And uh, uh, Solis Chelis, um, he uh, he just puts his hands together. He starts breathing really heavily because you know Hugo Sanchez. I mean hate him or love him, man, but he has a strong personality and, you know, he takes things very personal. And I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he got, uh, Mexico lost the gold cup under his watch. They lost the final against the U S yeah. Two one. It's a in, close game though. It was 2007. a close game. Yeah. And I think even the fans there were saying that he sucked and all that. 
and it goes on to have one of the best Copa Americas for Mexico. It's the one with uh, that's the the Copa America. The Mex team has scored the most goals, which is you know quite quite the um, quite the achievement because it's it's you know you're playing against stronger rivals, you know, in in South America. I'm looking at his record, so kind of crazy. He only coached Mexico 24 times. He debuted by losing against USA 2-0. I, <laughs> I believe that was a friendly. Um, then he you know, has some other friendlies, Venezuela, Paraguay, Ecuador, you know, the typical suspects. And then, yeah. Does it say the, does it say the date for the friendly? It was February eighth, two thousand seven. Yeah, his, there you go. That was his See, debut. This is why I'm asking for the date, because, and I, I'm pretty sure they still do it, but the U.S. would host the camp, like a month long camp for all of January, where they would have like a big a group a big group of players, and just training and training, and then they would. They would play these amistosos against Mex, and I think was the Mex league about to start, or in his first. But but they would they would pretty much Mex would be forced to throw in. To throw in like a you know a team just like a week before and then go play and then this is, and it happened a few times like that. And and it just it made Max look bad, and more so whoever the coach was, and that's that's some little details that often get left out, and and you know you talk about like if they're scoring on set plays or doing this they've been practicing them a lot you know that's a big that's a big difference. Um, Starting lineup you know, for Mexico: Osvaldo Sanchez, Ricardo Osorio, Carlos Salcido, Rafa Marquez, Ramon Morales. Gerardo Torrado, Alberto Medina, Pavel Pardo, uh, Pineda, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, and Borghetti. So, you know, uh, this is back in 2007, so after the World Cup. Yeah, but and, I mean, yeah. I mean, but, but despite who goes in, you know, it's it could take a while for the players to, like if the coach is bringing in a new system yeah. or has whatever ideas. Than if you're playing a team that's been practicing already for a whole month, you know, just training and playing, you know, day in, day out. And then you, you go and match up. And that did happen a few times. I mean, it happened to Aguirre where he had to play a friendly against the U.S. And he had to, like, just call up a squad, like, almost last moment. And he got his ass handed to him, too. And, and it was part of it, you know. I think it was... Like the scheduling, I, I don't know. Like Max probably didn't even care, or didn't even. I don't know. It just felt like the Federación didn't like. We won't do it on this on this day. You know. It is a weird time to schedule a friendly, um, especially following a World Cup. But yeah, that was his debut. So then after that, they do play in the Gold Cup. And we mentioned they lost again to the U.S. Uh, in that final. And then 
not even what not even a couple days later because that was on june 24th 2007 and and then four days later they're in copa america playing against brazil beating them 2-0 so i mean (laughs) you know they he took i'm guessing that they took two different squads because there's no way well again i mean if you have more time with the team and more games played then it's it's you could start making adjustments and whatnot. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the legendary match, you know, where Neri Castillo does his thing. And then we end up getting third place in Copa America. And then after that, he, uh, he has a few more a few more friendlies. And then the show's over, folks. Um, he only coached them 24 times. And uh, what's not in this... Um, uh, these stats was his uh, Preolimpico disaster, which ended up costing him his job, which I think was a little no, bit. No, it, it, he, well, they say he didn't get fired after Preolimpico, but they do say that because I think they already had a friendly scheduled against Ghana, I believe, in England. And then they won that game and then they fired him after that. They were probably hoping he would lose. <laughs> But the whole Olimpico thing, that that was just dumb, firing him over that. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, they fired him for 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 that, and then we go through this shit show with uh, Sven Goran Eriksson and then having to call up Aguirre at the 11th hour to get us to the World Cup. Um, how do you feel about now that we've seen, you know, the summer – We've seen Mexico play this entire summer, lose two finals. We're going into qualifiers. How do you how do you feel about this process? Do you should we be concerned? Do you think Tata is 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 safe, or do you think that this might be a long, long process to get to Qatar? I don't know if he's safe, just because it depends who's who has pull right now in FMF. So back when. Hugo got 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 the boot, and it was it was I know it was Jorge Vergara, one of the one of the dudes pulling the strings to sack him, and and a couple other guys that I think had already made contact with Sven, and they were the whole Europe thing, you know, we have a couple Europeos and this is the European coach and this is the way to go, and so. Because you know it's like they sort of vote in committee, like all the, the club presidents, and yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's the own because sometimes the presidents go, sometimes the owners, who, whatever you know. But they, they, they'll vote. And yeah. So I don't know right now what it, what I haven't really been keeping much with that side, of like trying to see who's there. Uh, I would say if like the Pachuca group. Has Tata's back, then they would probably, because you know it's it's when you see like they they form like cliques. <laughs> you, of you know course. what I mean? They they form like cliques, and so one time Televisa, Televisa had like their their, you know, because they had Necaxa and they had San Luis and yeah, and their America and then whatever team, you know, they're they're allied allied with. And so Pachuca seems to have right now 
you know, Pachuca, Grupo Legi, and all that, even the Monterrey teams, they, they seem to be sort of like, like yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fire him over that. Like, who, who are you bringing in? Who could they bring in? You know, Hex is about to start, and it's not like Mex is getting played under the table. You know, it's not like, as I mentioned before, with Ojitos Mesa, where the team was just losing, not just losing, but being humiliated. They were just getting whooped. I mean, Mexico. What was lost, the was they, the Aztecaso they they, under his? Under Ojitos, it, probably. Mm. Um, yeah, it's man, we're going back, and 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 why do you want to open old wounds, Jaime? Because uh, I know it happened, are, and I think it happened under his watch. I could be wrong. It was uh, yeah. June 16th, 2001. Sounds about right. Yeah, and even that, that to me, that Aztecaso, comparing it to Maracanazo, you, you just see the level of, you know, just how ridiculous it is to compare a World Cup qualifying defeat to losing a World Cup. Well, the significance of this was it was the first time Mexico uh, lost in a qualification match in El Azteca. Yeah, but I mean, probably, yeah, but still, it's it's not that big of a deal. Like, you're bound to lose, you know? You're you're bound to lose a game here and there. It's not like... I know, but, I mean, think about that. You penetrated the fortress, man. Like, you don't want to be remembered (laughs) for, you know, it's like like the, what was it, the, the... the tro like they're the Trojan horse, man. You know, it's like yeah, it was the the only thing that could get through the walls, and it got through. And now it's like, well, now what do we have going for us? You know, Las Tecas doesn't hold its weight anymore. I mean, at the no, time, at the see, time, there, there at the time. Go. But see, just lose. That's the whole thing. You lose one game, you shouldn't be panicking. It's not like you lost three or four, or Mex can no longer win, which which was the whole thing with Chepo where. He was struggling at the Azteca, and that that already set the alarms, and that that was part of you know it ended up affecting the team and and mentally and whatnot. But I do think it gets it gets over exaggerated, and so like with Tata, yeah, I I don't I mean team maybe is not playing that good, but they're not playing horrible. They're not getting they're not getting whooped. They're not getting their asses handed to them. That's they true. lost two finals, but they didn't lose in regulation time. Either nine of the three finals, and I'm, I mentioned Olympics because Tata, Tata um, played a role even with that team because he 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 has kept many of those players. Yeah, you know they, they they brought them through a process, and it's it's you know very likely some of those guys will end up with the senior team. I hope so. so. That that that's a lot of good work, and just to think that the that Tata didn't have a hand in that all of a sudden just because, you know, you lose to the U.S. and now that whatever he did doesn't count anymore. Sounds almost childish. I will but, say, man, they're going to start sharpening <laughs> the guillotine if they have a bad start <laughs> against Jamaica. Uh, that's their first match in the in the qualifiers. So yeah. if, if they get off to a bad start, any, any sign, any sign of, of uh, failure or, you know, anxiety or 
I'm serious, man. Like, you don't want to start a World Cup qualifying process You're after, right. You're after right. coming off of, you know, these, these defeats. You don't want to start off losing or drawing or having any any doubt. You want to make sure that they throw that in the rearview mirror and they get the job done. Because yeah, Jamaica to play for the broken, los platos rotos. Jamaica's going to take the beating. Because gonna... here's the thing, man. It's like we we know how we are as people and the media. And they're just going to start piling on, piling on, piling yeah, on. I, and I already saw it. Yeah. But, you know, just just back to the whole thing. You you have a team. They played three finals. They didn't lose in either of them in regulation time. Two went on penalties. Uh, one in overtime. It sucks to lose, but at least the team's being consistent to the point where they're playing finals. Because Mexico, you know, we... we Mex fans just they they their expectations are just they they won't put those expectations on themselves whatever job they have. Oh, ho, ho, shots <laughs> fired! Let's it's, go. It's true. You 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 want you know like if you're not doing that if you're not having those expectations on yourself how are you gonna go and put it on on the team as if it's easily attainable? But for them for them to reach those three and and we we could compare processes of throughout the years, which is like, why are people losing their shit? Like, if you've been seeing the team long enough, you see that they always hit a rough patch here or there where there's like, maybe they're not playing too good. You know, Piojo, let's not go that far back. That Piojo team at the Gold Cup, people were, people went from, you know, 2014, Piojo was meme god to <laughs> the Gold Cup where they're trying to, you know, just sack him, you know, they're just, they hate him now. And they do, it's a gold cup. They just yeah. chill, you know? And he he won it, you know, with the team. They struggled all the way, you know, through the final. And, and ironically, Jamaica, <laughs> who they end up having a really great match to win it. Um, And so, but we see these patches, they'll hit these patches and, and so, I mean, I think that's the expectation. It's it's pretty wrong to think that just because you were at this level that you're going to be able to keep it for so long. And, and you see it with even the really big teams, you know, like uh, France, France wins the World Cup, looks really good going into the next World Cup, boom, gets knocked out in, in uh, group stage. Group stage. Same with Italy. And then it happened to Germany. Yeah. And dude, it's happening to those teams. Uh, you think what Mexico somehow is flawless now, it, and and that's the other thing where we see we Mex fans they always look at Concacaf and they downplay the rivals. They make them seem weak. They might not be like really strong, but they're not they're not easy either. You know, they'll if you go through their results, they've got it. You know, they've they've got they've got their fair share of. Of games where they've gone toe to toe with, with other big teams, so it's not like, you know, it, it shouldn't be like surprising that they could give Mex. Yeah. My my mic fell. Oh. Hold on, se me se me cayó el micrófono. Uh, well, yeah. That, it shouldn't be surprising just to finish right. 
it shouldn't be surprising that they could give Max a hard time. And the last thing to keep in mind, it's a one-off. That's what makes it even more. That is true. You know, and we see it in we see it in Liga MX, Liguilla in Liguilla, uh, Liguilla. You know, we'll see it where some of these teams end up eliminating teams that were way better throughout the season because it's it was just two games. But sometimes you play that one bad game and that's all it took. And I mean, if it was best out of six, NBA style, I, I you know, then I we could be more critical. But just one in the one game. But you have to be able to to win these round robin type of tournaments because that's what you prepare for in the World Cup. You know, you don't yeah. you don't have 180 minutes to turn things around. You have 90 minutes to get the job done, and if not, you're out. So it's it's tough. You know, it's tough to lose these. I know the qualifiers is different because you get an opportunity to play at home and on the road. You get to see them twice. You know, so it's it's just um, yeah, it's just the format of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, true. Which which makes, which is one thing that's made Max, you know, going back to '94, up until 2018, you know, it's those were made impressive that they've always made it to the second round. And so it, so it sucks they can't get that quinto partido, but at the same time, you know, they've they've been able to stay at that level, which. Which um, you, you can't even him, you but, can't even say that about any other like you can't even say that about World Cup winners you know I think just Brazil Brazil yeah. I think is the only other one so just Brazil and Max and it used to be Germany and Italy but they fell they fell through the wayside <laughs> so yeah it's it's just difficult man it's it's it is difficult it's not as easy as as I think the media plays you know, a big role in this because I do see like the football picante and other shows and a lot of the talking points. And a lot of times they don't add more context to what they say. They'll just say something controversial and then they leave out all this other info, and, you know? So it's like, how, how are you going to expect um, certain results if that's not the norm? Yeah. I'm going to go to the comments. There's been a lot of chatting today. Oh. Ricardo's upset that we didn't invite him to the Twitter spaces last week. Uh, we did. We invited everyone. I know we did. I don't know if he was on last time, though. I think uh, last week when we broadcasted on YouTube, I don't think. What, what the, for the Twitter spaces, we don't send invites. You just have to have the Cantina account. Yeah. You just have to add the Cantina account. Just um, And then yeah, and then it'll pop up on your – it will pop when the when the spaces goes live, they will automatically pop up on your what is it on the feed, and then you could yep. just join it. Yeah, if you guys aren't already following us on Twitter, Cantina MX Football Podcast, when we go on Twitter Spaces, uh, it kind of shows up like on Instagram when you have like someone going live on their story. Same same concept. You click on our little profile thing, and then you can listen in. And then you can also raise your hand and, and uh, we'll let you speak. So next time, Ricardo, we'll give you a heads up. Uh, but he was saying that. Um, what was he saying? I'm trying to read. There's so many freaking commercials or comments. He said, Mexico isn't skilled enough to break the bunker like the elite teams. Uh, Mexico has more skilled players than the U.S., but their size 
uh, is at a disadvantage. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I mean, look at Spain. They're not very tall, and they won a World Cup. Well, no, I don't know, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Like Xavi and Iniesta are like Mexican yeah, size. Yeah, but those are, those are just two. <laughs> those are just two. Pique's like 6'4". Oh, yeah, Pique. Uh, but... I, I know. And all these other guys, you, you'll be surprised. They might not look... But they played, they, they, like, I think they played to not ever, like, play the ball in the air. Like, they always had the ball on the ground. Oh, they keep it, yeah, that's been their style. The tiki-tata, whatever. But even, like, Mech's team has, has, um, their average height has gone up. So if you compare a lot of the teams to, like, I would say, like, from around, what was it, like, around 2000-something? Where where just like the average height just all of a sudden went up a couple inches, so it's it's even Mex is not as short as it used to be, because and you could go through the list when they put him, but yeah, an average US does they still do that though, they like you know they like physical teams. Looks like both Sergio Cruz and Ricardo agreed on Hugo Sanchez's uh, rant that he has a point. Um, they want Nacho for 2026. We'll see how he, how, how he does in Spain. You know, he's going to be playing in the second division. He's finally getting his European uh, opportunity. And I would definitely like Nacho Ambriz for the national team um, come in 2026. I would also like Rafa Marquez. Well, I want to see what he does. I agree with one half of who goes the whole foreigners get, you know, they always get more more leeway. And there's a lot of truth to that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Osorio is one of it. If it was a Mexican coach after that 6-0 defeat to Chile, they would not have been on the plane back to Mex. And Osorio was allowed to stay. So, I mean, there is a lot of truth to that. Yeah. But I don't think firing the guy, it's like, I, I just think he's salty. It's just, he's just trying to throw his name in the hat again. Giovanna Avalo says, pain, all I feel is pain. I'm with you, Giovanna. It's, oh, that's... it was painful, man. Like being no. there and then having to take photos of the stupid team after the, after the game's <laughs> over of them lifting the trophy. And I just want to, I just want to stick my foot out and trip them as they're running across the field. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to like put your emotions on the sidelines and you know do hey, your no, job. No one's, no one's gonna care about that trophy if you go to the World Cup and then go three and out, three and out. Or if you, you don't even make it to the World nothing. Cup because you know the U.S. has trouble doing that. But I think this no, this I mean, process they might they might go. But this is more of like yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. But I know and and Mex fans don't want to admit it. It's I know they're because it was the U.S. and it's kind of taking that narrative that they suck and it's harder to keep saying it when they've, they've taken two trophies in a month. So, <laughs> but nah, if you were around for the two zero, for the dos a zero at the Jeju Korea, uh, then none of these results, they, they don't compare. It's like, uh, you, you don't care that the world cup was the big loss. And these are just small potatoes. But and and you know like if if I guess if you want something to feel good about, 
Max, when Max is at his best, they've, they've destroyed the U.S. in finals. What is it, 5-2, 4-0? And U.S. has never been able to do that to Max in the final. They'll beat him by the minimum. Yeah. Penale is 1-0. So that's, that's still a difference that we could see, you know, where it's like they still haven't been able to to give a baile, you know, to do the three Gs, ganar, gustar y volar. Ricardo saying that CONCACAF is crap. The players in the area are just big, <laughs> stiff idiots. That bunkers. He's also saying to stop making excuses where they should be beating these what? mediocre teams. <laughs> and uh, he, Ferm wants to have CONCACAF and Comembo emerge. I do agree. He says... Uh, yeah, that would, I would like that too. He says the African and the... or CAF and AF, AFC have the same problem with traveling for their Champions League, which is why they separate the brackets into North-South for Africa, East-West for Asia. A united Copa America will only make Mexico stronger and make them ready for any team. I highly agree with that, Firm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, just... The call CONCACAF and excuses, if we, if we look at the Gold Cup pre-1990, because 1990 was when it got rebooted, and then it's always been hosted in the U.S. or, or by Max. Yeah. Uh, so if, if we look at results pre-90, you will see that the other teams would win as well, especially if they got to host. And the same with, you know, if, if we go back enough for – for a World Cup qualifying, you saw Max got eliminated, you know, 74, 82, where they got bounced out of the World Cup. So it's, it's, and, and these are results going far back. So to all of a sudden think that they should just be whooping them, it's just taking, that, <laughs> they, they just, you know, making your rival look really small, like smaller than they are. I know, like, Name-wise, maybe they don't, they don't like strike fear or anything. But it's, I don't even know how to explain it, Jaime. How can I explain it to these guys? <laughs> they say yeah. that if you can't explain something, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, kind of, there's I'm no. I'm trying to make a good example, but I'm. I know what you mean. Though. I'm like, I mean, you can't. It's hard to convince someone that like this team is not because we're not really going to see it. It's like if we see a boxing match and, and some dude got whooped and we're going to say that boxer sucks. But then if he fights the average dude, he's going to be whooping a lot of ass. But we're just seeing them play against someone that's really, I mean, fight is really good. Yeah, I would say like, look, we didn't choose to be in this region. This is just what was given to us. We're trying to make the best out of it. Um, but, you know, can't also disrespect your opponents like that like there are some you know the teams are are good you know to play at a professional level you have to be really good you know it's not like they're just throwing in a bunch of bums in there and uh you know this i was sitting next to a a, a jamaican photographer and the whole time he was telling me like look this is the same way jamaica lost to the u.s they played the same way they play that that bunker ball they play that you know high press and they, you know, Mexico fell into the same traps. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it just is what it is. That's what the football in this region looks like. I would like to see, though, like how an elite team would 
would play. Like, I want to see how it's done. Like, how do they do it, man? I want to I see Spain. I want to see Brazil. I want to see Germany. I want to see France play against against these Conca, uh, CONCACAF teams and see how they how they tactically make ad- adjustments. And I think that's where Mexico falls short. I don't think it's the talent. The talent is there. The skill level is there. I really think that it's on the tactical side of things that we just have not evolved. And uh, if you have a team like the U.S. that are doing this and forcing you to counterattack, then just give them the fucking ball. Just let them try to do possession, and then you do the same shit to them. And I think that's where Mexico failed, and I think that's where Tata failed. And and uh, I think that um, maybe he didn't have the tools at his disposal because we had to split the team into you know the Olympic team. There's a few players on the Olympic team that could have made a difference in that Gold Cup final. And then we also did lose Chucky in the first match, you know, and that was a big blow. So, I mean, we it, it is unfortunate, but I feel like Tata, you know, you, you coached in Europe, you coached for Barcelona, you coached for Argentina. You should be able to adapt. You should be able to make changes on the fly and uh, and fix these things. Yeah. But, you, you know, we, we've seen, you said you wanted to see how some of these teams do. You could see World Cup, you know, results when these teams have qualified to the World Cup. I mean, everyone already forgot about Costa Rica and how they did in uh, 2014. They had played in uh, 20, what, in 1990. They were at the World, you know, same same as the U.S. And they weren't exactly getting their asses handed to them. And they'll have a bad result here and there, but if you if you see the majority of the results, I mean, look look at uh, U.S. does that to Portugal in what was it, '06? Uh-huh. That was the Portugal. That's the golden generation Portugal, man. That was a Portugal that was they could have been. Uh, they were kind of favorites, you know, one of the favorites. And so even uh, going '98, Jamaica. Some of these teams, when they go and play, and these these other teams that are considered way better weren't exactly whooping on them. But I think we hold on to some of like the much, like some of the like, like I guess El Salvador getting stomped in '82. Oh yeah. But that, but even that, like, that's just like one result. Like that's not like the norm. So if you do see a lot of the results. You see that the games are much closer than, than um, you know, we we like to believe. Even Copa America, when uh, who was it? Honduras. Who was it? Honduras, Costa Rica went to. When they went to Copa America, they were invited. I'm not sure. Looks like Joel had to go off to baby duty, but. We'll see if he returns. If not, I'm more than happy to wrap this up. There was some Liga Emekis action. Let's not forget about that. I know there's a lot of disappointment with the national team, uh, but there is some silver linings. Chivas, they won. They beat Puebla 2-0. This is the first time since 2017 that Chivas got a victory over the Super Camotes, thanks to a mistake defensively by the goalkeeper, allowed Alejandro Mayorga's shot to go in. And then at the buzzer beater, 
Isak Prisuela scored the dagger. Very beautiful goal to give Chivas their first victory of the season, bouncing back from their defeat at home against Atletico San Luis. Mazatlan also got a victory over Pachuca 2-1. Also in the late minutes, 83rd minute was the game winner. Leon handled business against Tijuana. We had America after tying against Gallos and a beating Necaxa 2-1. Rayados beat Pumas 2-0. Atlas over Juarez 2-0. Not a good start for Tuca Ferretti over there in La Ciudad de Juarez. Toluca handled business over Tigres 3-1. Tigres obviously missing Chaka Rodriguez, Gignac, and uh, Florin Tovin, amongst other players. Santos and Cruz Azul tied 1-1. And the last match of the second week was actually uh, yesterday. San Luis took an early lead. But then Querétaro scored and tied the game up. Uh, ended up being 1-1. So those are the results for Liga MX. We still have to wait for the Olympic team to return. And uh, I'm sure the, the players that were part of the Gold Cup process are, are going back to Mexico as well. Um, not sure if they have to have a mandatory break before they start playing for their club again. Uh, I read something today that was very interesting. Uh, Pedri from Spain has played 72 matches in all competitions this season, and he will be given a mandatory three-week vacation after uh, Spain and uh, Brazil play their, their Gold Cup match. Also, Bruno Fernandes also played 72 matches this season. So, you know, these players deserve a little bit more more respect. It's a grueling season. And then having to play for your national team as well at the end of the season, it's it's not easy. I do think that there are players, as you guys mentioned in the comments, like Chaka Rodriguez, like, uh, I mean, even Antuna. I just don't know what they do, what they're doing to merit a call-up. Carlos Salcedo, another tronco. That guy does not deserve to be on the national team. I mean, there's a lot of players questionable not sure if they have an agreement not sure who they're paying under the table to get continue to get called up but it's it's pretty it's pretty frustrating we also have our national all-time goal scorer who should be playing for mexico we could have used him in the gold cup especially in the final you know when you have a player like chicharito hernandez you know, you got to call them up. You got to use them. I don't care what your political differences are. I don't care what's going on off the field. I don't care what he said about your mom or what he's doing, the partying, all that stuff. Look, you take your best, especially right now. We're in a striker crisis. We've had a call up a naturalized player, Funes Mori, which I have nothing against. I think he's done a great job, but I do think that, you know, if we've had to go to that length of where we're calling up players that, aren't Mexican and you're leaving players like Chicharito on the bench, not even on the bench, not even considered, you know, 
I think it's it doesn't make sense, especially when Tata said that he said he was going to only call the best players, and I disagree with with some of his call ups. Uh, let's see, Ricardo saying that Salvador Reyes is looking like a steal for America. The kid has been playing some good football since last year. Has anyone ever seen Joel and Juan Gabriel in the same room? That's really funny. Uh, as far as uh, Hernandez being injured and washed up, uh, maybe like last season, I would say that he definitely um, did not merit a call-up. He had a terrible, terrible MLS campaign with the Galaxy. But this year, you could tell that he turned things around. He's divorced. He's he's scoring off the field, and he's scoring on the field. And right now, again, with our team being split between the Olympic team and Raul Jimenez being injured, it doesn't hurt to have someone like Javier Hernandez at least on the bench, especially when you got Pizarro and Pulido coming off the bench. It's just, you know, it's a little bit unmotivating, and it's a confidence killer, man. Like, I was looking at the bench in that Gold Cup final. I'm like, who here can make a difference? Absolutely nobody. Pizarro's form, he should not even be playing for the national team. Polido, what has he done? Scoring goals in Kansas City, big deal. You have Eric Gutierrez, who's not been in the best form. I mean, the bench was just nalgas, man. And it's just, when you have a player like Javier Hernandez who his only job is to score goals in the weirdest ways possible, off his face, off the back of his head, just whatever part of the body. It doesn't really matter. It's not pretty, but he gets the goals, man. He's a poacher. And I saw him uh, when he came out to San Jose when they played against LA Galaxy. It was LA Galaxy, San Jose Earthquakes, and he just had like that natural ability to be in the right place at the right time, scoring goals, makes it look effortlessly. Granted, it is MLS. Defending in the MLS is pretty bad. But this USA team was all built out of the MLS. They're all playing in the MLS. So it's like he's he's the kind of player that we needed in the final. That's all I'm saying. I uh, Ricardo, I do agree that Carlos Vela should be called up. And um, at this point, it's on him. He doesn't want to play for the national team. He wants to give that he'd rather give it to somebody who who really wants it, a young player or whatever. The problem is, like, that's a very nice thing to say and, and, and a very nice gesture. But the problem is they aren't doing that. They aren't calling up a young, promising player to replace Carlos Vela. They're calling up Pizarro and Pulido and freaking, you know, they're calling up the wrong people, Chaka. And, oh, my God, it's just. I much rather have Carlos Vela, who doesn't care about the national team, doesn't even care about soccer. He 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 sees it as a job and nothing else. He doesn't even watch it on TV when he's not playing, or he doesn't even play it on PlayStation. He sees it as a job. I respect that, and it sucks because he's so talented. And I also do think that he could have been uh, an X factor in the Gold Cup. We probably could have won the Gold Cup and the Nations League had Carlos Vela been playing for the national team. Uh, I don't know how many goals 
Chicharito has against the U.S. I know that he has scored against them. And not just in a friendly. I'm going to look up his stats right now. Because I, I, I remember looking this up before. I will say this. And this is kind of, and, and I talked about this uh, a few episodes back. It's kind of hard to believe, but Chicharito has only ever played one Gold Cup. And the only Gold Cup that he did play in and participate in, not only did he walk away with the trophy, he walked away with the Golden Boot, and he also walked away as the most valuable player. Granted, this was in like 2011 when he was at his peak. But still, he's only ever played in one gold cup. And, you know, I know they make fun of him. And, oh, all he does is score against, you know, you know, shit teams. But there's a lot of shit teams in the gold cup. And there's a lot of there's a lot of strikers. There's a lot of players in the gold cup that pad their stats in that tournament because they're playing against really weak opponents. But he's actually scored against some hitters. He scored against the Netherlands. He scored against France. He scored against Argentina. He scored against Spain. He scored against Brazil. Who else has he scored against? Italy in the Confederations Cup, Japan, Croatia. He beat the, oh, here we go. 2015 Rose Bowl, Pasadena. He scored against the United States in the CONCACAF Cup. That is, oh, and then obviously the last goal he has scored for Mexico, his 52nd goal, was also against the United States. So, yeah, he's only scored twice. Oh, actually, yeah, he's only scored twice. So, there you go, Ricardo. Uh, I don't know about that player that you mentioned, Pepe. Is he, like, Mexican-American? I don't really watch the MLS, so I, I don't I don't really know who he is, but I'll definitely um, keep a, an eye out for him if he's making noise. Ricardo Pepe. Huh. I'll check him out. Anyways, folks... Oh, he's Mexican-American. Okay. I mean, it is what it is. I will say um, some good news. I want to end this podcast with something to look forward to. Uh, Raul Jimenez played uh, friendly for Wolves. He got a goal. Uh, They started chanting his name, and it's just nice to see him scoring. It's nice to see him on the field again after his tragic injury against Sideshow Bob. David Luis. And uh, so definitely, hopefully he'll be in shape for the qualifiers. We're definitely going to need him. I would like to see him and Funes Mori on the pitch at the same time. I think that'd be a really cool partnership. Or maybe they might bump heads. Who knows? Some other good news. Uh, I am proud of the Olympic team. I think they did really good. Hopefully... This audition for Europe will allow players like Alexis Vega, who had one hell of a tournament, one of the best players in the tournament, Alexis Vega, 
Hopefully he goes to Europe. Hopefully Sebastian Cordoba and uh, Romo from Cruz Azul. I think those are just some of the few players that should be playing in Europe. But uh, there are some rumors about Orbelin Pineda potentially on his way to Europe, to Spain. I believe it's Celta Vigo. So, really, the only solution we can do, and I was talking about this in the chat, look, our region is what it is. So, what we have to do is export as many players as we can to Europe at a very young age. In fact, I do have a clip. Ah, Where is it? I have a clip from Jaime Lozano. I don't know if you guys will be able to hear it. Maybe not. Creo que México siempre se pone a la altura del rival, ¿no? Y, y, y a veces, no para bien, porque a veces el rival no, 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 es, no es de tu nivel posiblemente y, y ahí nos cuesta un poquito, ¿no? Dar ese, ese golpe de autoridad o, o, o mantenernos en un nivel eh, en el que merecemos estar y en el que tenemos que estar y no, y no, y no bajar. Creo que el jugador mexicano me encantaría que saliera más joven a, a, a Europa porque tiene un gran potencial, pero muchas veces el entorno y ese entorno no es posiblemente el nivel que les exige lo que, lo que ellos pueden dar, no lo tenemos en México. El fútbol mexicano es muy bueno en cuanto a calidad y me he dado cuenta de eso ahora que estoy en selección y que enfrento a otros países. Pero muchas veces no nos exigimos al máximo porque, vuelvo a, vuelvo a decirlo, creo que el entorno no te exige tanto Y a veces con un poco más o haciendo las cosas solamente bien, te da para ser sobresaliente. Creo que me... Yeah, so uh, in case you guys, I don't know if the people on YouTube can hear this, but, you know, Jimmy Lozano just basically said that we need to export our players to Europe because the demand is higher, the 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 level of play is higher, the expectations are higher. Whereas in Mexico, it's not as demanding you know the players don't necessarily go out to strive and 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 fight for their spot in training it's just it's just a different level it's a different mindset it's it's very hard to describe you know but once you're exposed to something like that it doesn't necessarily have to be in soccer but you know in in your job in your career in your profession that next level when you're when you're surrounded by people that are extremely talented and extremely intelligent and you're in there and you don't know anybody and it's a very uncomfortable position to be in but if you ha- if if you are surrounded by those kind of people you're only going to be better off cuz you're going to get you're going to learn from them they might rub off on you the work ethic everything 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 it's just a different mindset it's a different mentality it's a different grind and there's a lot of talent in Mexico but it's Mexico you have to take that talent and take it to the next level and right now for the time being that happens to be in Europe that's where all the best players are that's where the best players play and it's a proven it's it's proven like you see results you see everyone that's winning these titles and silverware they're all playing europe 
we won't get to that level here in the United States. Not even if USA was to become a superpower. Not even if the MLS became like a, whatever, a top five league. That's not going to happen here in the States, unfortunately. And I don't, and I'm not necessarily convinced that merging the two leagues together, the Mexican League and the MLS, will benefit Mexico. It'll benefit the U.S. It won't benefit us. And I think at the end of it, it's still going to be a mediocre result or product. I understand why they want to merge the leagues. I understand why that's why they're trying to do that because of money. It generates a lot of money. But honestly, like you guys had mentioned in the chat, I do agree that if they were to try and merge the Gold Cup with Copa America, yeah, you know, that might suck for the Caribbean teams or for the, you know, the smaller Central American countries that sometimes will have a, a decent run at the Gold Cup. I mean, look at Qatar. They were invited and they, and they ended up, you know, going to a semifinals. So you do lose out on that possibility because now you're you're being merged with South America and in South America, your chances are going to be very, very low. But in the long run, it would benefit the U.S. It would benefit Mexico if if we were exposed to that kind of level uh, more consistently. Uh, let's see. Canelo Angulo was garbage the entire Olympics. I do agree. Uh, Angulo was very, very mediocre. I don't like the subs that Jimmy Lozano made. But I understand it was hot. It was humid. The players were cramping up. They were exhausted. Like Alexis Vega left everything on the pitch. In fact, there's a photo of him like still like 20 minutes later after the game ended, still sitting there. Couldn't believe that they lost. And, uh, you know, you had to take him out. And uh, Angulo, man, he's just he's just not good. <laughs> he's not good at all. He has a YouTube channel. And he's been uploading, like, everything behind the scenes, like the hotel, the training, the food that they eat. And I'm just like, bro, just spend more time training, bro. Like, stop trying to be a YouTube YouTuber. Like, stop trying to be an influencer. I know you play for Chivas. I know you're getting paid. I know you're, like, somewhat of a big shot now. But this is the problem. You should be out there training. You should be out there taking fucking penalties and learning how to put them away correctly. You know, you shouldn't be over here worrying about your YouTube career. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't have fun and you can't, you know, blow off some steam, but you're not at the level that you need to be. And you're already going to like say, ah, I made it. And that's the different mentality. You know, that's just the different mentality. You you look at, you know, the European players, you look at the South American players. These dudes are, are grinding, training, taking it very serious. And even though they get capped or they get looked up, uh, at the national level, they're still not satisfied. They're still going out there and, and grinding and getting better. And that's the mentality difference. You know, that's the difference in mentality. Here, the Mexican player is very comfortable. They get paid a lot. And they're a big shot. As soon as you, you jump from a small team to a big team, you play for Morel, uh, Monterrey, you play for Tigres, you play for Cruz Azul, you play for America, you play for Chivas. You know, you look at UC. You see their level start to lower. And sometimes they can't even handle the spotlight. I mean, you've seen it happen with, you know, Chicote. You've seen it happen with Angulo. These guys were killing at Necaxa. They go to Chivas, and it's a fucking shit show. And it's like, it's it's just a different level of expectation. The fans are on you. The media is on you. Everybody's on you. They're looking for any any time of, time uh, type of fuck-up 
off the off the field, you know, the partying, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I do agree that going to Spain is is sort of like a safety blanket because you don't have to learn English; you can just continue to speak Spanish. I do think though that the Spanish, like the La Liga, fits the the style better for Mexico. You know, you look at Eric Gutierrez, who he plays in Holland. You also look at Edson Alvarez, who kind of did turn things around at Ajax. But, you know, the, the Dutch League, if you had the opportunity to, to go to the Dutch League or go to Spain, I could see why you would go to Spain, you know. I actually, when Diego Linus was, uh, when he was debating between going to Ajax and, and, and Betis, I actually wanted him to go to Ajax because at the time Ajax was uh, in the Champions League having a crazy run and I feel like he would have learned more. They went he went off to Spain and you know he ended up playing bench most of his his time but now that he's been there for two seasons you can kind of see the the benefits, the fruits of his labor. I mean, he's he's definitely a different player than he was at at America. So, I mean, long story short, I just I I just want more players to go to Europe. We need to export more players. We need to learn how to negotiate these deals because asking for 10, 20 million is just, it's not going to cut it. These, these clubs are not going to be paying that much for, for Mexican, for a Mexican player when they haven't proven, they're not a proven commodity yet. So they need to renegotiate these things. They need to learn how to tack on future transfer fees and, and get their money back on the long, the long game, not the short game. But it's kind of hard to break that cycle when you have clubs within Mexico willing to pay that money. So it's it's a tough cycle to break. And at the end of the day, this is a business. What do you think about Ochoa switching from U.S. to Mexico? He's a good goalkeeper prospect. Uh, not sure which Ochoa you're talking about. I do like the German league for Mexican players. Yeah, that was a fun time with the Bundesliga, man. I actually miss watching the Bundesliga. That was a very entertaining league. Watching Osorio and Pavel Pardo win um, the, the the league was incredible. And then, obviously, when Javier was at Bayern Munich, that was just so much fun. I love the Bundesliga. And the Bundesliga embraced like the Mexican, you know? I was actually out there. That was part of my backpacking when I was in Europe. I went out there to go see Javier Hernandez back in 2015. Now, I messed up because I bought my ticket to Manchester because at the time he was a Manchester United player when I bought the ticket. I even bought a ticket to Old Trafford. And by the time I got there, when the season kicked off, he had been sold to Bayer Leverkusen. So I had to change my entire, you know, my entire trip. I did go to see Man- I, I did go to that Manchester United match. But then I very quickly flew to Barcelona uh, to watch him play against Barcelona in the Champions League because Chicharito was, uh, and Bayern Leverkusen were in the Champions League at the time. So I got to see I got to see him twice for Champions. I saw him against Barcelona in Camp Nou. And uh, I saw him again against Roma in Rome. Uh, he ended up scoring in that game. 
And then I also went to go see him, I think a third time. And that was for the the Clásico between Cologne and uh, Cologne and uh, Leverkusen. And the German fans are awesome. Like I, I, you know, you obviously see them when you're staying at the hostels, and you know everyone's going to the game. And very friendly people. They they love Mexico. They love Chicharito. They bought me beers all night. It was great. It was a very great experience. I love the Bundesliga, and I would love to see more Mexicans go back to the Bundesliga. Um, Marco Fabian and Carlos Salcedo, yeah, they also had some pretty good, good runs at uh, Frankfurt. Anyways, guys, uh, sorry, Hola had to had to leave prematurely. I hope everything's okay with him. I want to thank you guys in the YouTube chat. You guys are always loyal, always active. I appreciate you guys. And uh, sorry that you missed out on the uh, Twitter spaces, man. You got to follow us on Twitter. Uh, our actual handle, because I know it's kind of hard to find. It's uh, Cantina MX underscore pod. So follow us on Twitter. Um, we'll make sure to announce like the next time we, we have like a, a Twitter spaces podcast because we love to hear from you guys um it's nice to hear some perspective and you know if you want to talk some shit you can talk some shit (laughs) but anyways guys i'm gonna wrap this up we're gonna talk about match week three for liga emekis next week and then obviously we'll see how mexico ends up in the olympics they still have a chance at bronze against Japan, which is not going to be easy. They've already played each other in the group stage, and they lost. So this will be a redemption match for both of these teams, actually. Uh, the bronze medal match will be on Friday at 4 a.m. if you're on the east co- uh, on the West Coast. So if you're willing to stay up or have an early night, make sure to watch that match on Friday. And then let me know what you guys think about as far as the Brazil versus Spain final. I I think it's a coin flip. It can go to any, any team. I think Spain looked really good. And, you know, some of the Brazilian players are gassed. And they, some of them participated in Copa America. Like Richardson, he played in Copa America and then did the Olympics, so he's had quite a season. I do think that as far as the the bronze medal match, I'm going to go with Japan. I think they just have the added pressure, the added weight to be at the podium uh, because they are the host, and they really kicked our ass. In that first game. <laughs> I mean, I know like within the first 10 minutes, we're down two goals. But at this point, with with the losing the Gold Cup final, losing the Nations League final, losing to Brazil in penalties, I just, I've lost all expectations and hope for Mexico. So I'd rather go into this third place match having no expectations 
expecting the worst, which is fourth place. Um, and if they do anything different, if they end up beating Japan, then I'll be happy. But if they end up losing the match, it was as expected. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. We'll catch you guys next week. And be safe out there. Thank <laughs> you.